Friends, friends, friends of the podcast, welcome to another episode. Almost, no, over three months of podcasting. I've learned so much. I've managed to speak with amazing guests. I've managed to exponentially grow not only the listener counts, but the countries that I'm reaching. And that's that's all down to you. Thank you for allowing this to happen. I'm so passionate about the show and I love that every week I have a piece of novelty, which is my show with a new guest. So thank you for that. And this week we have Johnny Watson of Propane Fitness Stop buying the show. You may be aware that I enjoy the Chris Williamson Modern Wisdom podcast and Johnny is a frequent guest on this and he often speaks about business principles or pivoting your existing business online. And we talk about just that. Johnny was once an accountant on a graduate scheme at a big four firm and soon realised it wasn't what he understood it to be and realised that he would live a more fulfilled life if he went self-employed. I don't want this episode to come across like I'm so anti-apprenticeship or anti-graduate scheme or anti-employment because I'm not, if you know me well enough, I am the complete opposite of that. But I want this episode to serve as a red pill for those who think they're cut out for a 9 to 5 or cut out for self-employment and to swallow that red pill and pursue the correct path that will lead to a life of ultimate fulfillment. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please send me feedback. You know where to get me at Development by David. Johnny Watson, thanks for coming on the podcast today, mate. I've watched countless uh, hours of you on Modern Wisdom. I've listened to some of the, the Propane Fitness podcasts as a whole, covering topics such as life hacks, relationships, sobriety, but most importantly today, online business. How does it feel that I know so much about you from these podcasts and so does so many, but this is the first time you've heard or spoke to me? Are you starting to get used to this? Yeah, so I, I do, like part of what I do on a daily basis is I do like enrollment calls into, we have a program. We're basically like two two businesses. So we do fitness stuff, which is propane fitness. And then we do business mentoring, which is propane business. And on the business mentoring, I do like a lot of the enrollment calls for people who are coming into the program. And it's pretty, pretty common that they've heard a podcast. So the first, like, sometimes the first minute is just the person saying like, oh my God, it's so weird that like, I, when I speak, you speak back and I'm, I'm used to just the audio coming through the headphones and it's a two-way conversation. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's weird. But yeah, it's like, a, it, it, it just, I suppose it's just part of being like, it, the internet is is like that right like you put out content and it's very one way people can consume it as many times as they want and they become familiar with you and they almost feel like they know you but you and you can speak to someone and they are totally familiar with you and ha- probably even know what you're going to say in response to a question but it it is just something that you eventually get used to but it's it never stops being weird if like, that makes I, sense I can't imagine it one like i know the name of your dog like that that must be very unsettling. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had an email this morning actually from a, a lady who I don't I don't know who she is, but just talking about Dexter. <laughs> it was like like stuff stuff like that gets a bit weird. I, I can um, imagine. I just can't imagine what it must be like to be like properly famous. You know, like if you you like you've been in a few podcasts and you get that happening, like what happens when you're on like a film or BBC News or something like that? Like it must be crazy. You should watch um it's like a com- comedy roundtable with Sasha Baron Cohen, Jim Carrey, and the interviewer asked, the, like it's a roundtable event, and the interviewer asked, what would you do if you had one day of no one knowing you? And Jim Carrey said, I think I would literally melt. I, I have no idea how that life is anymore. And I just wow. thought, oh my God, that, that sounds like the worst nightmare. I never want to be famous. So let's hope this podcast gets yeah. like three to five years as it normally does anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
this might be the one that goes viral and then i'll get we'll get even more emails about dexter but yeah and no it, it does sound awful to be honest like a huge scale no privacy must be terrible so for those who don't know who dexter is or johnny watson who is johnny watson today in 2021 uh so i i guess like the way people normally answer that question is with like saying what they what they do for it for a living right so i suppose probably the reason why i'm here like talking about stuff today i run a business or i co-own a business called propanefitness.com um with my business partner yusuf we've been doing that for 11 years now which is pretty weird um that it's been going that long we've been doing it full time since um, or at least I have since 2016. Um, and that's, that pretty much consumes all of my time at the moment. So um, aside from, you know, I live in Newcastle with my girlfriend and my dog, Dexter. Um, we all know I lift it. some weights sometimes, <laughs> who everyone knows, yeah. Um, I lift weights sometimes. Um, I play a bit of golf. I'm not very good at it. But most of my focus is um, trying to build a business on the internet, selling selling services to to kind of two different markets, which is like fitness professionals and just busy, busy professionals who want to get lean, lose a bit of weight, get a bit stronger. Does busy professional who wants to lose weight and get a bit leaner, does that kind of describe you prior to propane fitness or at least some, um, some of your colleagues? Yeah, it describes some of my colleagues, I would say it's or like former colleagues. I think when, um, when we started propane fitness, we were actually, we were like at uni really. Um, so we were, we were like busy students trying to juggle student life. Um, and that then changed into like people joining full-time work, having like just done, just come out of uni when your life is basically however you want it to be. Like we were, I was basically training like a full-time athlete, had full control of what I was doing. And then suddenly it's like long hours, working on a grad scheme, doing exams in the evening, like compulsory nights out with the weekend, all that sort of stuff, like trying to hold on to some semblance of like, I really don't want to get fat again. Um, and that's really how, like propane then shifted with that, um, became more serious as we, as we were working full time as well. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so yes, I suppose in a way, but I was, always, I was into training for a long time before actually being a busy professional, technically. Was the spark to start propane fitness um the act of you looking around the office at the time seeing who was either not in shape or unhappy with their body and you went oh my god there's actually a market for this so propane fitness like existed when i started so it was it was there was already a website and actually like a, a real point of like embarrassment at the time was we're we're the way the way we were like promoting the business was we were writing articles and like that the article would get promoted that week so we'd be posting all over our social media and stuff like that. And one of the articles at the time was like my transformation. So it was me going from like overweight to like the leanest I'd ever been. And in basically in the like new starters week, um, that was the article that was on the website. So everybody was like looking at the, so I had these like people in the office that I'd never met before who were saying like, oh yeah, I read the, read the, read the article on the website that, that you're on. And it, like in my head, I'm thinking like, that means you've seen me in my underwear. <laughs> and it, like, it just did immediately, it immediately like changes the dynamic. Um, we did actually, I actually ended up working with like quite a few, especially once I'd left, quite a few of the people I worked with ended up being clients, which was a bit weird. Um, but yeah, it's more, I think like the, 
I just became aware of the how difficult it was to go from to try and make like any standard gym program nutritional program work around that kind of life um the difficulty of everything just gets turned up right even like the social pressure of people don't get why like not going for beers on friday because it's squat day tomorrow that doesn't make sense to most people <laughs> so it's like it's like how do i well how do i make a strategy for this to actually work while not throwing away my social life or like my work life um so it was really like a selfish thing, I think, for, for both Yusuf and I, like trying to figure out how do we make this work? And then, well, if we have this problem, chances are other people have this problem. And that started to gain a little bit of a following. Similar people. That's an awesome insight. For context, what did life look like before propane fitness? So, I mean, I was doing like a training contract in accountancy. So accountancy audit specifically. Um, left uni in 2012, did economics at uni was going down the like path of basically what like my teachers, my parents, my friends, like, you know, the supposed to do thing. Um, so like did the A-levels I needed to do to get the degree I needed to do to get the job I wanted without ever really thinking about it. It's like one of those things you've just got like your head down for the whole time. You're like, oh, thank God I've got the job. Oh, I've got the 2-1, oh, I'm in. And then training contract. Um, so exams in the evening. I was also at the same time doing um, like I basically stumbled my way through into like international powerlifting, completely <laughs> out of my depth, completely out of my depth. Basically like someone who's way stronger than me dropped out of the team and I was third in this competition. So I got bumped up and before I know it, I'm in like Finland and competing alongside some like really famous people. So I was doing that. I was doing my exams. I was doing my, my actual training contract hours. And then at the same time, I was like, I don't think this is for me. I quite like to, um, I quite like to leave. And we, we had like a little bit of money in the business and we were making a little bit of income. Um, and I really wanted that to be the thing that I at least, like at least allowed me to quit. So that's what I was doing whenever I had spare time. And I wasn't like on like, like people, like people I, <laughs> people I worked with used to think it was funny to like go to a nightclub um, in Newcastle and we'd all get a table and be vodka and everyone would be in suits. And there's that kind of lifestyle as well. I don't know whether you have that in where you work, but in, in the office, there was, a, there was a bit of that culture, which was, again, made all the other stuff harder. But I, when I wasn't doing that, or when I wasn't hungover from doing that, I was... Uh, in Finland, lifting heavy ass weight. <laughs> and in Finland, yeah, exactly. Um, I was building propane fitness with Yusuf. Awesome. Um, what drivers would do you think would cause someone to leave a big four grad job? Or what drivers drove you to leaving a big four grad job? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because like I had this conversation with people who work there at the time and people who still work there. Like to me, it just, it never really stacked up to what I thought it was going to be. Um, so I had this impression of like finance and like working for big firms and what that lifestyle was going to be and also how, um, like what the work was going to be like. And I, I just, I have this distinct memory of, of kind of the, the curtain lifting me realizing like, oh, this is just all it is. Um, it's quite a unique thing in, in, in like big four accounting where, especially in audit, where it's kind of, you're working in small teams and the team you work in always varies. You get to meet people who are like five, 10 years down the line from you in the same job basically. And I think I just realized that like, I don't think I really want to do this for this long. Like I don't, I don't find it that rewarding. I don't find it that interesting particularly. 
I knew people who did. Um, and I think there was, there was like two key experiences. One of them was, um, it's a guy I know who's been a coach to me a couple of times. Um, we, we did a program that he launched at the time, um, in the kind of the side hustle days of propane fitness. Um, and he made like from that launch, he made like 70 grand in four or five hours. Um, and I watched that happen. So like, I know that cause there was 70 people in the program we were in, we'd paid a grand to be in it. So I was like, okay. Like that's, it's pretty weird seeing that. Cause like, that's a salary that I could see myself earning in however many years time. Right. So like that was the first contrast. And then I just looked around and realized that some of my colleagues I was working with who were the same level as me, they were more than happy to stay late. They were more than happy to like work weekends and they seemed to quite like it. So I was like, well, I'm always going to lose this game. Like I'm always going to lose the game of like, who's going to get the promotion because I want to leave at five if I can. Right. But I want to leave at five to go and do this other thing. I want to leave at five to go and do the, like what was ultimately propane fitness. So, um, I think seeing, having the belief broken that like you can't, you know, self-employed or running your own business on the internet, it's never going to make any money. Having that like literally broken in front of my eyes. And then the, um, at the same time realizing like I probably I'm probably not passionate enough about this to really excel in this field like those two things at the same time those combined really caused me to leave that's interesting could you have not have settled for a life where you just did your standard nine to five in accountancy and then kept propane as a side hustle what were the drivers that you couldn't change where you were like nah I need to leave and do propane full time was it the unbounded revenue or was it like I'm, I'm not that you're wasting hours in the nine to five, but did you think that your energy, you'd rather put that same energy into propane? Yeah, I think that just like when you when you really sit and think, well, I spend so much time in this because it's not really like most jobs these days, most like knowledge worker jobs aren't really nine to five. Um, it requires a bit more of you than that typically. Um, that's a lot of my time to to put into something for like for basically just the salary or at least that was a big part of it. Um, and I just had this inkling that if I put that energy into something else, I'd get like an asymmetric return. So I always felt like, you know, I, I kind of got out of it what I was expecting, you know, like the occasionally you do something and you think like, this is at, in audit, like you do something, you think like, oh yeah, that's rewarding. Or you'd get like, you know, financially rewarded for something, maybe get a bonus or something like that. And then you get a salary each month. And that's like, it's kind of like what I'd expect to happen, right? Almost to the point where if that didn't happen, it'd be like, what the hell's going on? Like, where's my, where's my paycheck? Right. At the same time though, with, if you put the same units of energy and focus into, into propane fitness and it goes really well, it's like, a, emo, like an emotional reward yeah. that you can't describe. Um, so I, I think that was like something that I, I don't know why I thought they would be like that. I don't know whether it was listening to other people who run, run their own businesses and stuff. Um, but I just, yeah, I just didn't want to spend that much time doing something that I wasn't that into when I thought there was maybe an alternative. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate that. And I do agree with that. There's like no novelty to the, to, to the job. Like once you gain, once you have one or two salaries through the door, <laughs> yeah, you totally like, it's totally accustomed after that. I remember on the, yeah. uh, the Modern Wisdom episode you did, I can't remember what one it was, it was probably Business Principles. We spoke, you guys spoke about this kind of like concession strategy. Take your annual salary or your monthly salary, take off concessions. For example, working from home or wearing your own clothes, that kind of stuff. And then mm -hmm. uh, calculating 
uh, a monthly salary after that and understanding whether yeah. you would be happy with that or not, providing that you <laughs> have these concessions. Uh, and a lot of them included like working from home, wearing your own clothes, working your own hours. Now that we're in COVID, right, and a lot of these organizations are now encouraging to work from home, wear your own clothes, perhaps flex your hours. Do you think if Johnny mm. was in the big four at the moment, you would have still made that change? It's a good question. I think there's a chance I'd have stayed, at least for longer. Um, I think there's, so the stuff that you can't, the stuff that can't really be replicated in a, in like a salaried position or like working for someone else. I think part of it's the feeling of, of like having, um, having made something or having done something. So I have this memory of, um, and I never actually thanked the guy for this. It was weird. So like I was at the final Christmas party of the firm I was at before I left. So I'd handed my notice in and I was like serving my notice. It was a Christmas party. And there was this guy there who was like, he was a senior manager and he basically cornered me at the Christmas party. Um, and he was like, you, you should, you definitely should leave. Like you should leave. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't expect you to say that. Um, but he gave me this exact, so he'd like been there for a long time. He basically worked in accountancy his whole life. And he, he talked about this, like, you know, you, you get to go and do something where like when you stop doing it, like something is there and something like exists as a result. And like you get to, like, I guess the cheesy thing of like, leave the world a better place. You know, you've like done something that's changed lives for people. You've helped clients, you've, you've built things that maybe didn't exist before you doing them. Um, and I think like, unless you're very, very senior in an organization, you don't really get a chance to do that. So like, there's the, obviously the revenue is great, right? Like you're in complete control over your revenue and what you earn or not, not complete control, but it, it it's directly related to what you do, what you decide. But also you get you get to see like the change you have in people who who listen to you or buy from you and how it like changes their life. Um, and I think you certainly I never got that. Maybe I just didn't stay long enough, right? Maybe audit was going to give me that. Um, but you you don't really get that in a or you don't get as as much access to that in a, a standard like nine to five environment. Or at least mo certainly most people I know don't get that. Yeah, I, I agree. I have spent time in audit, like I said to you before the call, and I didn't like how retrospective it was and the audience that yeah. it was supporting. So it was very retrospective and the audience that it's supporting are like wealthy investors. You're assuring that their shareholdings are uh, uh, in a kind of safe place, I guess, right? Whereas mm -hmm. I, I made a move to management consulting where I'm creating something into existence and I work in healthcare and stuff like that. And that's really rewarding because I do see my output have an effect on 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 people i know but then again you're working for a, a team where it's probably the director or the partner that's getting the recognition for it whereas if you yeah. transform a body that one individual is messaging you or emailing you with life-changing uh, feedback i guess that's mm. quite interesting what were the immediate um non-financial upsides that you re received when you you first left employment so i mean like I can remember the, I can remember the first day I can remember sitting like th there was this feeling of like, you open, open your laptop up and you're like, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, so that there is, yeah, I, I suppose effects, like there are some negatives definitely. Cause it, it takes a while to sink in that like, what have I done? Like I had this thing that I was working towards for basically my, my entire life. Um, like you could argue that every exam, 
everything I'd done was building to getting on this grad scheme and I'd let, I then left. Um, so there's that and that does create this sense of like, oh shit, like, did I do the wrong thing? Um, but I, I think, I suppose just most immediately, it was just this, this realization of like, I, I have complete control of like how I work, what I work on, when I work. Um, like if I want to go to the gym at 11 AM, I can, if I want to stop working at midday, I can, um, which is, is like empowering, but also can be paralyzing when you realize that like, there's no one there to tell you to do something or not to do something. Um, but I think the thing that, that, that probably had the most, um, like the biggest impact in terms of a contrast was uh, this, this realization that, um, the, like I would wait for a year and then I, when I was in a nine to five, I'd wait for a year, get a pay review and then, you know, your salary would go up and you get a bonus or whatever. Um, and it was just kind of linked to sort of metrics or, uh, how they, how they decided to appraise it. Whereas now, like if we had a good month, like that number can be just whatever, right. It yeah. can be as, as big as I drive it to be and that can directly impact me so like the thing that i spend my day doing has a direct effect on like my week my my day my year my life um which was a pretty cool like i think when it really when that really settles in that was a quite a cool cool realization um but the other one was just i think like realizing that i i could then just sculpt whatever my like working life looked like which previously I didn't have any real say over aside like a little bit, but not certainly not and not anywhere near as much as I do now. You spoke about how that could be either empowering or paralyzing. Mm. How do you create a, a kind of robust mindset that doesn't eat you up for taking time to relax without thinking, oh, one hour watching Netflix at night, that's one hour of revenue that usually equates to, I don't know, a couple of thousand pounds or a thousand pounds or 500 pounds. How do you build like mm. a robust mindset to, com to combat that? it's it's really really difficult to be honest um i think probably only only really recently have i have i do i really feel like i'm on top of that and i think it is just realizing that it's not there's there's this false idea that if i spend an evening working or if i work for an extra hour like i'm having some kind of impact on the business or i can like i can i need to push the boulder up the hill the whole time when actually really when you set things up properly, the, the relationship, it doesn't work like that. It's a case of, well, actually I'm better off spending this time disconnecting so that on Monday I have a, a fresher view on things and I can, I can kind of have a realization that leads to everything changing or something completely improving rather than an hour of like tired, scattered attention, not really achieving anything. Um, cause it's not when it's a case of, of like driving revenue in your own business, I've never found it to be the case that it's, hours worked really equates to, so like Yusuf and I, I'll talk about this, like some of our best months financially is when one or both of us have been on holiday. And it's like, you, know, you look back at it and you think like, maybe I actually make this worse. Like maybe I should stop working and then it would, then it would be better. Um, but I think some of that, honestly, like you start to read more into these things and you think like, maybe I'm attaching too much onto this, or maybe I'm like wanting something and trying to force it sometimes can can actually in turn prevent it. So, yeah, I think you probably create micro fractures from all the decisions that you force upon yourself. Whereas if mm -hmm. you just go with magic or just go with intuition or um, <laughs> not magic, but <laughs> doing like uh, wizardry, with your instinct, 
Mm-hmm. You probably spend too much. T- well, I'm guessing you might spend too much time wavering between between thoughts and decisions. I think your previous version of Johnny, say Johnny 1.0, uh, was enhanced <laughs> because of like social, like Gary Vaynerchuk and social media. Like, yeah, you can work from nine till four in the morning, kind of. Actually, do you think that put pressure on you to work harder? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think to be honest, like when I um, when I left and started working for myself, it took a long time to break out of like, I need to be on my laptop by 9am or I can't possibly finish work before five. You know, those kind of like, you probably have them now. There's like ingrained things that it's just a, I don't know, maybe it's not like that anymore. But certainly when I was there, it was like, if you got up and left before five o'clock, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what the hell are you? And it was a bit of a joke in the office, you know, like people would take the piss out of people who left early. But that just becomes part of your day. So you never even think, well, God, I've taken more than an hour for lunch. I, t- I feel really guilty. And it, t- it took a long time for that to go away. Um, and I think that combined with in the like car on the way to work, I would listen to uh, you know advice from entrepreneurs like Gary Vee. Um, and he is big about like how many hours he works as being <laughs> a big factor of his success. success. Um, so yeah, I think it just takes it. it, it I don't know. I still go between, to be honest. I have, I, I, I know people who run pretty big businesses who don't work Fridays. And I know people like, I mean, look at the hours Elon Musk does. Yeah. Like he's, he's doing all right, objectively speaking, and still works quite long hours. So <laughs> some of it's, I think is a preference thing. Um, and I, I think you, you eventually, or certainly I've eventually realized that I can have more impact on the business's performance. If I, work one hour in a day and that hour is like making a decision with a clear head that is going to affect the business forever versus working 11 hours on like admin and low level work so it isn't really like hours done it's it's like what you're doing in the time and how clear you are on the strategy and the problems and the things you're trying to do that's what really moves the needle um and that's never going to be done on a friday night instead of netflix so i think that that realization is kind of helpful Jeff Bezos uh, famously talks about that when he talks about sleep. He would rather make like far less good decisions or answer far less dilemmas with more sleep than solve like 150 dilemmas on like three hours sleep. Um, And another start, I I know like for for my experience, working from home during COVID has moved the needle from you need to work nine to five to yeah, you can go walk and meditate in the morning and have these non-negotiables because we are going through like a mental health crisis almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ho- hopefully this continues when we go back to the office. Um, but yeah, I, I have, when I was in the office, I totally saw that. And I remember listening to uh, Naval Ravikant on and Tim Ferriss and he said, we're intellectual athletes. We need to uh, perform, rest, reassess, have a feedback loop and then go again. Mm-hmm. Like humans are not cut for nine to five, and I was listening to that as I was doing a nine to five. When was the first time you realized uh, that this is why I did what I did? This is why I left traditional employment. Yeah, so the I thought it would be the rev, like revenue milestones that would do that, um, but I think they actually they they never do that. So every time we set a revenue milestone and hit it, it's nice for like a second and then it's meaningless um which is weird and quite annoying to be honest um maybe it's like maybe when you get the lamborghini then 
and it's really rewarding. Well, but it's like at Christmas, just interject, if it's like at Christmas, if you were to get £20 in a note, like £20 note in a card, or a mm-hmm. new Xbox game, like, if you get a £20 note, you're going to put it in your wallet and forget about it in 15 minutes, but if you got, like, the new Assassin's Creed, you'll be on it for hours, isn't it? <laughs> so you're saying I'm just not buying enough things? Is it? I, yeah. I think... I think... <laughs> Like when we hit a revenue milestone, it's like, right, Yusuf, what is the most expensive thing we can buy? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think you're right. Like it is, it's a case of like, well, it's all very well seeing that number on a dashboard. But like, what is it, what is it going to do? Translate to, yeah. Yeah. Um, which might, like my girlfriend's very good at that. Like if ever we have a really, I'll tell her like, oh, we've had a really good quarter or a month or whatever. And she's like, all right, so when are we going on holiday? You know, it's like, well, okay. Like it's all, it's all, it's like when it's great when it's abstract, but like, what we're going to do about it. Um, but yeah, the, I think the, the moment that sticks out to me was a, a day when both Yusuf and I, so I suppose for people who are listening who don't know, Yusuf's my business partner. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, he's the guy who's doing all the flipping around and <laughs> all the weird, all the weird things. Um, but we, we, we basically did a, we were changing something in a program. We asked loads of our clients to just leave us a, like a review um and we got a ton of videos from clients that we've been working with over like a two-year period and this um video editor compiled them together with the like the music from a film i can't remember what it was it was really really like a motive thing and it was just like a compilation of clients saying how good the experience had been and how much it changed their life and it made both of us cry it's like (laughs) what (laughs) what (laughs) like watching that was just this moment of like shit like actually you know we've actually really like helped quite a few people here and when you're in the day-to-day of like replying to emails and solving someone's problem that person's complained or you know like fiddling with a facebook ad you do sometimes forget about that so that i think that was the first um the first realization of like oh actually this is really cool you know this is something that's it's rewarding on a level that is isn't about the money or or like how many people we work with but like even just those people on that video just think so fondly of the experience um probably then i would say that's awesome mate i can't imagine you would have the same effect if you got like a montage of the audit clients you worked on <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. of fire over the back uh, and i don't think that would yeah. have the same effect oh, i think that awesome. to be honest most most audit clients were just happy when you left <laughs> i think that was the <laughs> you know like, it was very rare you walked into a, an audit um like to you know start the audit and people were like oh thank god you're here like i I, I I didn't have anything to do this week, and now you, I can't wait to give you all the things you need this week. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you still got yes. People were still nice, and you know they were still thankful and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's not not the same as someone like saying you've like I, I remember one one guy saying he was worried about the price of the service before he signed up, but afterwards would have happily like remortgaged his house for the results. Whoa. And like when someone says something like that, you're like, okay, like, I mean, you're leaner, yeah, but like, I didn't realize it was that much of a big deal for you. And like, life's different forever. You know, once if someone's been struggling with something like that, and you fully overhaul how someone feels about themselves, um, there are like, infinite consequences on like that person's life and the people there in their in their lives and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, not not quite the same as like nailing an audit. <laughs> really really checking those numbers but yeah um it's just different it's very different i can imagine 
when like the guy the guy that you just spoke about when he said they'd happily remortgage his house for the same results when you first started propane or first started full-time did you have in terms of building a price structure did you have imposter syndrome did you struggle to charge what you thought you were worth just because you're new to the market or because you're new to full-time yeah still do to be honest yeah um like you almost feel like you're robbing it out of their bank account, even though it's worth every penny, if not more. It's not. I don't think it doesn't feel like it's robbing, <laughs> but <laughs> not, not quite. To not, your quite service. not quite that bad. <laughs> um, but I think it does sometimes. So, like the the thing that is difficult is because it's all online, and because like sometimes in some of the services we offer, I you know we don't even speak to the client, so they're not even a client, they're like a customer, and we're just selling information to them that. Like we put a lot of time into the information and I'm very confident in the information, but I'm still just kind of like, you know, someone sometimes will get like a notification, someone's bought something and you do just have this feeling of like, God, I hope that's, everything's okay. Like, I, hope, <laughs> I hope they like it. Um, Cause you can't, you know, like, so like, I, I know that I, one of my good friends built a, a business that um, like they sell, they sell bikes basically to people and he'll occasionally see people riding around on a, on one of the bikes he's made right she's so got this feeling of like i made that they look happy everything's good like, every, every, <laughs> until they go to the like, handlebars on a main road <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah obviously like i suppose i'm not i'm not at risk of that um like i don't see someone making a dietary decision in a restaurant and then like oh shit that was my fault but like i equally don't you know if a personal trainer's business was transformed or if a, a person's like leaner than they've ever been because of a, of a book or, or something we've produced, I'll probably just never know unless they come up and tell me, um, which does create this feeling of like, well, is it worth, like, are people happy with the price? Like, do, are people happy with the service? Some of it's hard to quantify. Um, so that def- that doesn't help with the imposter syndrome. If you're worried about the price, it's hard to, when you don't have any like direct feedback, it's hard to know whether you're right or not until people actually tell you. I, I think that's, where entrepreneurs provide an online e-commerce service that they're where they want like loads of praise i think that must be a pain point because people would only come to you if the product was really bad but they probably wouldn't message you if the product was really fucking amazing because they've just yeah. bought it on an online e- e-commerce website or shopify website mm. um what are the what's the basic infrastructure that you need to start an online business do you need to know do you need to create a business model do you need to know about accounting and finance I, I don't think so. Um, like I think a, I think a business plan in its traditional form, like as you're, as you, I'm sure, been taught, I think is like a, it's a, it's an interesting, like it's a, it's a helpful structure, but I don't think it really helps the, get around what ultimately has to happen, which at some point someone has to want to buy your service or product. Um, so I've, in my mind, the, the like the the minimal that the minimally viable model for something like this to work is you have to like solve a problem basically for people or help someone achieve something that they'd be unable to do on their own at like the most fundamental level. Um, or like help someone fulfill some kind of desire or whatever, like if it's an aspirational product or whatever. Um, but I think it's, you need, you need that. So you need like, I'm going to offer this service and a way to deliver that. So am I going to do it purely online? So you can probably do it with fairly basic bits of software. Um, and if you have that, those two things, like an idea, I'm going to help this sort of person with this this kind of thing, this service, this 
thing they're trying to solve um, and I'm going to do it over email or over phone calls or whatever and I'm just going to see if I can sell this to people. I'm going to see if people are willing to pay for my time or pay for my information. And if you kind of get that initial proof of concept, then you can turn that into something. Um, but writing your kind of like vision, mission and principles and, you know, doing a SWOT analysis, and <laughs> PESLA, Portis Five Force and all these things, like you can do all of that and you get to the end of it and you're like, I perhaps still haven't got a customer. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's great to know, right? Like, so in the in the history of, of running propane fitness, and obviously we're not like the, the business to model on, but I've never done any of those things, right? I've never written uh, vision, mission, principles. I've never done a SWOT analysis. And you probably do those things like subconsciously, um, but I don't like, we don't refer to documents with all those things on. Because um, the, the decision-making and like, it's it's more about, you know, focusing on the customer, focusing on what people want. How do we deliver a better service? How do we improve the service? How do we acquire more customers? Those are the things that ultimately dictate whether or not you can actually do this or not, really. It um, doesn't matter how good you think your analysis is. If it doesn't stack up in the marketplace, it's never going to work. Um, can I ask, do you, are you your own accountant at Propane Fitness? No. No? No. Is, is, is there a specific reason for that? Because you just don't enjoy accounting? You'd rather be let loose to do the, the fun stuff or the it's strategy just, stuff? Um. It, I think like I, I try and focus on the like the, the revenue generating things or the like the client fulfillment um and I, th I think like something we were really keen to do pretty early on was just outsource things that we don't need to do I think like any any um course or like business book you read is quite big on that um so like admin, I, I kind of see accountancy as part of that, really, like in, for a small business anyway. Um, Anything so with parts a spreadsheets, of, admin. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I use a lot of spreadsheets. I, I definitely use a lot of spreadsheets, but just not for accounting. Um, and to be honest, like a lot of the, the thing that surprised me was a lot of the like small business accounting, um, you don't necessarily learn in like train, training and audit. You know, like I, I didn't learn how to... Um, run the specifics of payroll or you know like do, know all the ins and outs of that sort of stuff um because obviously it's not needed when you're working in audit for those you know for big firms so yeah. um there's parts of it that you know i don't have interest in i think someone else could probably do better um and i would kind of rather someone else who's doing it for a living takes care of um then i have to like take time away from clients and customers and marketing to do so that's why Previously, you spoke about basically solving a problem that exists and creating a, a construct of a business off of that. Do you think, what do you think is more important, the pursuit of a market busting business where demand exists? For example, I don't know, like timber <laughs> or um, <laughs> cashing in your passion that you endlessly care about, but it's more niche and probably going to make you less money. Yeah, I, I don't know about that one because it's, and I, I'm also probably quite biased because like I'm not running like a, steel business or like a construction <laughs> business or you know so like i am definitely in the category of of doing what i find interesting um i think the thing that i have i would probably lean on the on the side of people who at least most people i can think of who are like have spoken to about the sort of the the first side so when you say market market busting business do you mean like a well there's a, an obvious demand for something Yep. And you're pretty so like face masks during COVID. 
Okay. Like, I don't think anyone's sitting at home like, I love making these. I love face masks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they are. But I think a lot, a lot of people, like, find their way into businesses like that. Um, it's not necessarily, as you say, like, they're not sitting there out of a, a passion for the thing. It's like, well, I, I maybe have a supplier that I can use or um, I used to. So, like, a, a really common situation I see a lot is, like, someone worked in something. They worked in an industry. And they're like, you know what? I think I could do that part of this better. I'm going to set up my own version of it. And before you know, they're running like a huge like in, industrial business. Um, Is that why you couldn't carve out an audit job into self-employment? Because you're auditing multi-million pound quarry in the north of England. I just... <laughs> <laughs> like you can't I just carve think... that out and do that. So, like, in a, a, yeah, a I can't go find like a smaller quarry. Yeah. <laughs> I I um, I think I just felt like I had more of a... I had more of a competitive advantage in the online fitness stuff than audit or accounting. <laughs> like I knew a load of accountants. I knew some pretty good accountants. I knew people who were better at it than me, who were more interested in it than me. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to go and like enter the business world on my own to try and compete with these guys, like I'm, I am just going to lose. Um, <laughs> versus like, I feel like I could write a pretty good article about this subject because all I do in my spare time is read about this subject. Um, or I feel like I could probably take like the stuff that I've learned and make it an information product that helps someone who's like a year behind me or two years behind me. Um, I, I think the one thing that I've definitely found is that like at some point it gets hard running your own business. Like it's definitely not just strings of like, it's already easy and it's already flexible and I don't work any hours and Got to buy all these fancy things, all the all the revenue. Like there's definitely there's definitely days of like this is this is rubbish. Like we've had some 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 tough things to 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 go through, um, and at that point, like if you don't have at least a bit of passion for it, or if you if you're just doing it for the revenue, and revenue really drops for a month or a quarter or a year, then what's what's kind of left? to rely on so i think if, if yusuf and i didn't have the the interest in it beyond just the finances we probably wouldn't still be doing it um so that, yeah i think that's important correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like propane started off as propane fitness because you were interested in fitness as you started propane fitness you became interested in business then outgrew propane business Thanks. Do you think propane will continue to grow as your passions grow into something else like propane meditation or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think uh, we, st to be honest, like we've done, we have had some clients for, or it's not, I say we, Yusef has had some clients where he's like help with meditation and productivity and things that like, I suppose skills we've had to develop as a symptom of building propane fitness. So a lot of, like I've had to learn a lot about mark, like digital marketing, online advertising, funnels and software and lots of like stuff that I th I never even knew existed prior to uh, to leaving audit. Um, so yeah, you're you're right that like that becomes a passion in and of itself. Like that becomes really interesting on, on its own. I think probably we will add on more. Like one of the interesting things that you realize is that if you ha like back to the what we discussed before, if you think like wow, we've really struggled with this thing. And I'm aware of thousands of other people who also struggle with this thing. And actually we think we could probably help them with what we've learned. Then that is a, you know, you can then turn that into a product or turn that into a service. Um, I think we probably will. 
do do more of that. Um, when you're like opportunities, you're, you're on like propane, but propane bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running running an online bingo um, effectively. Awesome. With proper systems and. <laughs> do you think anyone can carve a business out of their passion though? Like if I um, have a passion for I don't know red onion. Yeah, I. So there's a a guy called I think his name's Alan Watts. I think that's his name. Pretty famous philosopher. Um, he had, I remember seeing this video he had of like, um, you know, if you're if you're passionate about something, then you can, you'll probably be quite good at it, and you can probably like command a good fee for it, and therefore turn it into a to a business. But I agree with you. Like, there are definitely things where that. So if I'm really into like watercolor painting, can I live off watercolor painting? Like maybe, but but also probably not. So I think it. That's why I link it back to. Is it solving a problem? Like, is it something that someone else wants to buy? And if it is, then then great. Yeah, I think you can, like, with the right focus on it. But you probably can't turn anything into into a business because it is fundamentally like a, an exchange of value, right? Like, I'm giving you money because I want the thing that you do or the thing that you have. Um, and if that's red onion and I don't want red onion, then you have, you're gonna have to find some people who really want red onion. The specifically the ones you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think this framework is really good for someone who's sitting listening, thinking, yep, I've got a product of mine, there's demand for it. But if there's someone who's more artsy and wants to perhaps leave their job to pursue music or art or watercolour painting or whatever, it's a completely different mental framework to figure out because there is no demand for your specific piece of music or, or art. Um, or you're not solving a problem at least and I read there's a really good book called The Formula by a physicist called Barabasi he talks about how networks create success and, and there's one example where there's a famous painting called The Man with the Golden Helmet uh, painted by a guy called Rembrandt he painted it uh, and it went on market for like 20 million pounds and before it was sold they figured out it was one of his disciples that wrote it and overnight it went from like 20 million pounds to like the equivalent of 20 quid because but the painting hadn't changed overnight just the network that underpinned mm. it had changed and it was so fascinating so I, I, I hope no one's listening in the music or art industry and decided <laughs> they're going to quit their job to play the banjo what advice would you give johnny watson who's sitting in their accountancy grad job training for the for the first week what advice would you give them if you knew then what you know now to us i think take the take propane fitness more seriously sooner. Um, I think we let it like rumble on for a long time before like the, the gap between, so I sat in David Lloyd gym cafe with Yusuf and I was like, I think I want to quit and do, do propane fitness. And Yusuf was like, yeah, me too. And like from that conversation, it was like right now we need to take it seriously. And that's when we put time and energy into figuring out the marketing stuff and like invested in a few programs and like re the, the growth in that after that conversation was really noticeable. Um, prior to that, it was just like something that, to be honest, like I, I barely, like it, I occasionally did stuff on it. I, when I had time, I did bits on it. We didn't really have a plan. We didn't have a strategy. Um, and I think at that period of time, especially in the online fitness world, like we, there wasn't very many people doing it compared to now. I think if we'd really thrown ourselves into it at that stage, we'd have probably just been able to 
get it to the level it's at now even sooner and and all that sort of stuff um and i think like the standard advice right of like just hire hire coaches sooner that i mean yeah. i think i'd give myself that advice for pretty much anything um <laughs> you know the thing of like if you can save if you can access what someone's learned in 10 years for a grand and learn and apply that in 10 weeks then it's probably a pretty good exchange as, as long as the person's like good at what they do um and we spent a long time just trying to figure something out on our own which was stupid um so yeah just i think take it more seriously sooner um rather than like letting it be a side side project for a long time because that probably in hindsight like where it would be at now if we'd done that the the gap is like every day right yeah. it's every day every month um every year so but be best time i think about it i think <laughs> can't do anything about it but yeah this whole conversation has been like solid advice but i don't want this conversation to be like working nine to five is shit uh everyone should go self-employed uh and i'm not being anti big four anti job. but i really appreciate that you stopped by today before we wrap up what's next for propane business will you go fully autonomous what's next um i think the hot like the hardest thing like the hardest part of business that I've ever, like the hardest problems we've ever had to solve is, is hiring people um, and like team building. Um, and that's something to be honest, like when I look back at working in audit and I look back at the, um, like the businesses I was auditing and the teams there and how complex it all was and the number of people who are managed and um, you look at it, you're like, wow, like there's so much goes into that, so much complexity. Like we have a pretty small team of people, it's all remote. We don't have an office or anything, but even that, like getting the right people in, try like replacing yourself or replacing things that you that you would normally do or something you've done for years. Now you don't do it anymore. Someone else does. That's the hardest thing. So in terms of fully autonomous, um, I don't know. Um, I think like part part of the problem with it is is like we enjoy doing it. So I don't think I ever want to not do it. Yeah. Right at the moment, I don't want to not do it. Um, but I think having like built bringing more people in so that you can just focus on the stuff that like you feel that you really add value in um, or that you feel the best at in terms of the stuff that you do. We're definitely moving more and more in that direction. Um, and that's allowing stuff, you know, we're, we're able to do more things as a result of that as the team grows. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear all about it and the upcoming business principle uh, modern working <laughs> podcast that you did. Uh, I can't wait to you. I can't wait to you sack your first employee. I'm not sure if you've done that already, but I can't wait to hear the, no, we've not, we've not sacked anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've never had to sack anyone. We have had, we've had people like come and go as part of the team, but there's never been anything, never any kind of like bad feelings for stuff, which is which is good. Awesome. Thanks for stopping by today, mate. Where can the people find you and Propane online? So if you're if you'd like fitness advice, if you're a busy professional, desperately trying to make a five day a week program work, um, and you haven't quit your job yet. And you haven't quit your job <laughs> yeah. Um, then propinfitness.com. Um, if you are at all involved in the fitness industry, want to model what we do, um, propane-business.com. It's a funny story about why we don't have propanebusiness.com. Someone basically wants about 50 grand for the domain, which he's not going to get. Um, so propane-business.com um, for like the business side of what we do. Um, so just anything online business, you'll find, find that. Awesome, mate. We have listeners in both those buckets, so I'll make sure to add the links in the show notes. 
Uh, but thanks awesome. for stopping by today. I really appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me, man. It's been fun.